What does it mean to be successful anyway? Does it mean making a lot of money? Does it mean being able to support your family? Does it mean trying to make your community better? There's never any final point where you can say, I'm successful now, thank you, I'll take home that award and call it a day. But our evolving definitions of success are undoubtedly shaped by capitalism, by how much money we can make and the level of comfort in our lives. Our ideas of success are also shaped by our families and where we come from. These are some of the big issues. That Backtalk podcast co-host Amy Lamb talked over with community organizer Jessica Lee. Jessica works as a youth mentor with teens and undergraduate students in her job as the program director with Washington, D.C.-based group The D.C. Schools Project. They talked about a Facebook post that Jessica had recently written that digs into family, culture, money, and social justice. Here's Jessica reading the post, then you'll hear Amy Lamb's reaction and their conversation. Listen in. So I recently got some really heavy, hurtful criticism for not making more money with a master's degree and seven years of experience to take care of my parents. I refuse, resist, and reject the notion that my value lies in how much money I can make based on the value of my supposed productivity. I refuse to believe that I can only live a good life and fulfill my familial duties if I uphold and participate and am complicit in all the ways that capitalism dehumanizes and harms. I refuse to believe that there is only one definition of success. I refuse to believe that there is just one way to live. And I refuse to believe that my engagement in social justice work doesn't somehow serve my parents, who are immigrants, limited English proficient, and low income. And there is no way that working within the very systems that do them harm can do them good. Hashtag self-reminders. Hashtag I'm a person, not a money-making machine. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for writing that. Um, <laughs> it really like <laughs> it really hit me in my feelings when I read this because I related to so much of this. Um, and I, the reason why I related to so much of this is because like you know my parents are refugees mm-hmm. and there's this idea that you know they came to this country for a better life for their mm-hmm. children, for myself and my two brothers. Um, and what that better life means is to like earn a lot of money. Uh, yeah. So, Kate, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about your background and how it related to this post. Um, so, gosh, I try I try not to be super wordy. With it. Um, so, my parents are both Korean. They're immigrants. Uh, my dad immigrated first a long time ago, like around the seventies, um, early seventies, and he joined the military to get naturalized, and then went back to Korea to meet my mom, or not in order to meet my mom, but basically to get match made. Um, And then they got matched, they got married, and then they immigrated together to Los Angeles, uh, where I was born. So um, I have a younger brother uh, who is about a year and a half younger than me, and he was also born in L.A., Um, we moved up to Portland because my dad, you know, thought there was a better business opportunity there. Um, and then I went off to get my master's degree, um, when I was God, like 25, 24, um, in back in California. And then he joined the military. Um, so he, um, yeah, so he makes significantly more money than I do basically. And I think it's interesting because like in your post and like you mentioned now, Mm -hmm. um, you had gone to go on to get your master's degree. Mm -hmm. And I think especially like within, uh, 
first-generation immigrant parents in the community, it's like, if you're going on to earn a master's degree, there's this assumption that then you will earn more money. Oh, yeah. Um, and, in your, and in your post, like, um, you told me, like, the background story to your post. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could share what, yeah. what kind of, like, um, what was the catalyst for you to post something sure. like this? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, I had had an emergency with my phone, and it had, like, it was on a work trip, actually. And so my phone got completely destroyed and I had no phone. And for my, my mom, it's, it's important to her to, for her to be able to um, know how I'm doing, right? Because, you know, she lives on the other side of the country. And I think a lot of immigrant mothers are like this, especially with their daughters, where, like, you know, you don't hear from your children for, like, you know, two days or even a day, you know, without a text. And they're like, where are you? What happened to you? Did somebody kidnap my child? Um, and my mom's especially, I think, <laughs> she always talked about how, like, growing up with me, it was more so that way because I'm a girl, right? So I called <laughs> I, I called home, and I was like, so this is a situation. Um, you know, I need to wait for it to... T- I need to go send it in. I need to go call in the insurance. Um, you know, and... I'm not going to have a phone. And, and my mom was like, well, how much is it going to cost you? And so I was like, it's going to cost me $199. And, you know, for, for most people, I think it's not like, I think for some people it's like not a whole lot of money, but to me, that's a lot of money. Right. Um, my parents are interesting. Like they have a stash of money, so I know I can borrow, but I also feel bad about it at the same time. Right. But it's like, if I don't have a phone and then mm-hmm. they can't contact me, then they can't like, like, I can't do things for them if they need me to do something, like, like immediately. And then, you know, so thinking through those things, I was like, well, I could not have a phone for a week. So I call my dad. So, well, I talked to my dad. And my dad's like, you know, he's like, okay, well, okay, $199. Okay, let's see if we can do this. My brother hears him in the background. And my brother is like, just say no. Just mm. say no. Like, tell, hang up on her. And I could wow. hear him. I could hear him in the background. He's like, hang up on her. And he was like, she is 33 years old. She has a master's degree. And she can't cover that on her own. That is a problem. And then he was like, hang up on her. Don't don't listen to her, right? And the thing is, like... Wow. You know, my brother makes six figures. Like, he gets his housing covered, he gets, you know, when he travels, like, his bag is covered because he can count military. Um, you know, he's, he's like, made it up in the ranks because he entered as an, um, as an officer because he's a, he was a college grad. So, you know, for him, and also he's always been, like, very frugal um, with money. And so, it, and for him, like, as a product of poverty, you know, he went for the route that was going to make him money. Um, and then I went the route where I saw, like, if, if these structures and systems weren't in place to begin with, my parents would not be where they are, right? My parents would not Mm -hmm. struggle. We would not have struggled in the way that we did if the systems were equitable and just. But I'd also been banking on public service loan forgiveness because I'm almost at the 10 year mark, um, for, Mm. for loan forgiveness. So, you know, it, also didn't make sense for me to quit my job to make more money where I would have to pay more in loans than to stay here and then get it forgiven in three years um, for working for in public service for 10 years and to get the loans forgiven. So it was interesting to me that my brother had gotten so frustrated at some point that, you know, I wasn't engaging in those standard, you know, definitions of what success meant. Right. And so he basically was like, if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of other people? 
And, you know, why can't you be smart Mm -hmm. enough to save more money to do something like that? But, you know, the more I think about it, too, it's it's like a lot of, um, you know, first gens, you know, who come from poverty or, you know, unless they get into a really high paying job right out of college, it's it's actually really hard. You're either you're either also trying to just stay in in like to break even constantly um, and saving is really difficult to do. Right. Unless you like know how to navigate these systems and norms and how to make connections that are going to, you know, really support you in your being able to like be in the green and save some money. And I really didn't learn how to navigate those things and figure that kind of stuff out until I was much older. Yeah. I think that the, um, one of the lines that I really loved about your post is when you said, I refuse to believe that my engagement in social justice work doesn't somehow serve my parents mm-hmm. um, who are immigrant, limited English proficient, and low income. Because like I, I think that in many of our communities, um, like refugee and immigrant communities where they raise children here, like there's this expectation that um, in order to support and sort of like to be um, invested or mm-hmm. to give back to your community is to do that in a, by finding like financially yeah. yep and mm-hmm. not so much as like you know like like in your work as a community organizer um and and the, the, i like i said before one of the reasons why this hit me so close is because i identified so much with it like mm-hmm. i also have i'm also the oldest with two younger brothers um who earn significantly more than me and they have like <laughs> much of my adult life you know and like yeah. I never not did not hear about it like mm-hmm. the second they were able to like earn more than me it was just something that like I always knew and it was like more pressure I think on us because we're the oldest yeah you know, that's absolutely something about like birth order that's, yeah that's and also daughters. an issue yeah uh, yes but and the thing about daughters is it's also complicated because as as girls and as women like um there's this notion of like yes you should also kind of support your parents Mm -hmm. but maybe you don't need to because like you'll you'll marry a husband who will take care of you yeah (laughs) you know so it's like it's like this weird double standard of like of like okay i guess you you know if you earn a lot of money that'd be great but like how much will your future husband earn that's actually more interesting you know yeah and actually i don't fault my parents for believing in like in believing in capitalism i mean that's what it comes down to yeah absolutely um because of where they came from, you know, mm-hmm. like they came from a, I mean, the refugees from a war, they yeah. literally came here with nothing yep. and, and, and they worked so hard just to survive. Mm-hmm. So when, when they sort of like measure success and measure, um, to an extent, like, um, a conditional love, right. I mean, right. like, <laughs> I'm not saying Absolutely. that my parents like, uh, only love me conditionally, but, no, but that's, how but that's feels. a part of it. It's like, yeah. Yes, yes, that it, it matters. That's how it feels, mm-hmm. um, and like yes, like it hurts my feelings, but I also can't fault them yeah. because like I have no idea what they came from, mm-hmm. and and economic security means something to them, mm-hmm. and like and I and like I think what you said was really uh, interesting in that like it isn't just about like um, whether or not I have an ability to take care of them through my mm-hmm. like economic means, but like it speaks to whether or not I can take care of myself, yeah, and. Like, okay, my parents don't listen to any of the podcasts that I do, so I can say this without them knowing. But but, but a few years ago, um, um, also my brothers don't listen either. So, but a few years ago, uh, my brother, um, the oldest of the two, younger ones, he decided that, like, we should have, like, a parent savings fund, which is mm-hmm. so Asian, right? Yeah, I think it's so yeah, Asian. Yeah, that is very to be, like, Asian. 
<laughs> you know, especially Asian immigrants to be like, we should save some money for our parents. Yeah. So at that time, like I was literally making a third of what he was making and like maybe a half of what the other brother was making. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to contribute as much. And I said, like, can I please only contribute a third of what you guys are? Because that's mm-hmm. what my income level is. Right. And, you know, my brother, my brother said, yeah, sure. But but he was also like, this is messed up. Like, why are we doing it this way? Like, I also felt that feeling, yeah. you know? And so there's a feeling of, of like, him being annoyed by it, of course. Yeah. Um, and, like, your brother was annoyed at you for, you know, needing the 200 bucks to cover your phone. Yeah. But I think that, like, under underlying that, like you're saying, um, there's also the feeling of, like, well, fuck. Like, if you can't take care of this 200 bucks, then, like, does that mean, like, you know, mom and dad will have to take care of you down the line? Mm-hmm. Or, like, you're not doing your responsibility right. um, as being a good, like, Asian child. Yeah. So it, it isn't just that, like, you're taking money from mom and dad, but that, like, mom and dad may have to use their money to take care of you, which they were doing in that moment for you. And I right. think that, like, it's both, like, it's both, like, him being annoyed and my brother being annoyed, but also being, like, I'm worried about you, but in this really fucked up way of saying it you know yeah no it um, really is and yeah and, and and the framing is that like um you're not succeeding in this capitalist society mm-hmm. and like and that is how we measure success period full yeah. stop so so to also be basically kind of blamed or judged as like failing in life right for not being financially secure in the way that you know he felt like i should be given where i am in terms of age Um, and being the older sister, like that was, I mean, that was probably like, that one hit really hard. That one hit really hard. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I think mm -hmm. that like, it's, it's also a combination of, I mean, your, your mother recognized your work, but it's also a combination of like your brother not recognizing your work. Like, like your work impacts, your work impacts, um, our communities, in, in a really specific way. Um, and I think that, and I think especially, and, and of course this isn't true of like all immigrant communities um, and all refugee communities, but I think that when you come from like a low income um, li- uh, immigrant or refugee community and you arrive here and you work so hard to raise your children, um, there's a lot of like a dog eat dog feeling mm-hmm. of like, we don't have time to take care of anybody else but us. Yep. So when, when you're, when you are doing your work and you're investing your own money into your work, like that isn't being seen as like you investing money into the, that isn't being seen as you investing your money into your family, even though you're investing your money to a community that, mm-hmm. that does support families like yours. Yeah. And I think that's where there's like a, um, there's like a intellectual, or a, a lot, like, some kind of weird disconnect between um, how we understand who our communities are and what yes. does it mean to, like, impact them meaningfully within this, like, capitalist uh, structure. And and that's, I think that's the hard part of, like, how how we think about how we earn our money um, and our relationships to capitalism and how it influences our relationships with our family. Right. So I think of the work that you do as being radical, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so how how do you how do you sort of like navigate that weird space between doing like radical work that has like tinges of like anti capitalist feelings, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Or um, anti capitalist aspects while at the same time sort of like um, understanding where your parents are coming from and knowing that like for them, uh, succeeding in a capitalist um, society yeah, uh, is what matters. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So how do you navigate those two worlds? Gosh, I mean, let's challenge. Well, I'm trying to think of the theory of that question. Um, cause the work that I'm doing, I mean, predominantly is about raising consciousness for my students. Um, you know, I got, I once was asked a question by a graduating senior, um, who had a, actually a really terrible experience at Georgetown, which is actually not unheard of for students of color. Um, who was just ready to go. And she asked me this really difficult question about how do you dismantle white supremacy in a white supremacist space? Because Georgetown, Mm. believe it or not, is a white institution, right? It's a predominantly white institution. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as much as folks within it may not call it that, um, you know, it, it exists, right? It's, it's going to have a function of institutional racism. But when a student asked me that, um, you know, one of the things that I think about in terms of how I do kind of an anti-capitalist, you know, um, dismantling racism, white supremacy spaces, first of all, I mean, I have to do the work for myself, right? So, I mean, you mentioned a little bit that, you know, you appreciated that it sounded really unapologetic, um, that post sounded really unapologetic, mm-hmm. but I'm actually, that was actually trying me trying to be unapologetic, but still having, feeling some kind of way about it, right? Um because, mm-hmm. you know, my, what my brother said was really hurtful. And so, and, and I also recognize, mm-hmm. like, I do want to help my parents, right? But I don't, I don't see myself being helpful in that way. Um, for me, it may mm-hmm. be more of my emotional labor and it may be more of my physical or manual labor that I provide that my brother can't, right? He may provide the monetary component. Um, I mean, it's kind of like how we navigate being Asian and, you know, child of immigrants and being bicultural is, you know, for a really long time, they were just parallel to each other. And in some ways, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how to make them intersect, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answered your question. Mm-hmm. No, I think you did. I think that you answered it right off the bat when you said that, um, like, within this capitalist system, where uh, we sort of prioritize uh, one's earning potential or earnings, um, uh, and then we kind of like conflate that with their value as a person, um, you're sort of, uh, you don't want to play that game. And you said, I'm going to quote yourself back to you, but you said something about um, that you find other ways to support your family, mm-hmm. if not through money, right? Yeah. You said you offer like emotional support, um, that kind of labor. And I think that's so important. And actually, that's something that we have to name because, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I keep saying like our communities are not monolithic, but I think that within some of our communities, like we take um, emotional labor uh, for granted. Absolutely. It's just something that you're supposed to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just supposed to perform it for your family. And, um, especially if you're without a girl. thinking about how much work it is. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a girl. Especially, especially if you're a mother yep, and yep, especially if you're a daughter. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I, I, I really love that you're saying that, like, we have to reframe how we think about that. You know, like, of course, I know that, like, I'm performing a very specific type of labor, but we have to reframe how we think about it and also communicate that to our family, that mm-hmm. we have changed the way we've thought about it. Right. You know, that like me, me listening to you, me offering you advice, me supporting you in a, a, an emotional, mental capacity is something that you can't get elsewhere. And and um, and it's it's valuable, even yeah. if you can't put money to it. It's valuable. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I think that like and you know what? I think your family is really lucky to have you. Somebody oh, like you. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're going to make me cry. Like, because you, 
Because <laughs> I think you speak like very cogently about this, you know. So to hear you say that about how you're able to communicate that with your family is like really heartening. And I think that like it gives me a lot of hope that like within our communities, um, we can help each other in ways that maybe now we don't find as valuable. But like down the line, hopefully in like future generations, they can see the value in the work that we're doing. Yeah. Um, even if it's not um, being shown like on our pay stubs. That was Backtalk Podcast co-host Amy Lamb talking with Jessica Lee of the DC Schools Project. One of the traps with capitalism is that it makes us think that money is all that matters. We need money to live and to get by, but there are many, many essential and wonderful and necessary things in life that don't have any monetary value at all. One question I keep thinking about is, what are those things we value? And how can we hold them even closer? as our country seems to spiral out of control.